0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. It's good to see you guys. I hope you brought your Bibles. Let's go to the book of 2 Kings. As we conclude our series on Elijah, we're going to see um, his final days uh, alive and how he ended his journey. And so I hope God has been speaking to you through this. A little recap, maybe some of you haven't been here, a little recap about Elijah, incredible, awesome leader, man of God. We began the series talking about how God took him out of his comfort zone and took him to a small town in the middle of nowhere. God really stripped him of everything that he was and really had to provide for him. And so, uh, ravens were bringing him food. God was providing water for him, taking care of him. God took him out of his comfort zone to teach him how to trust uh, in God, how to grow in his faith. And, and God really grew him into the man uh, that he needed him to be because uh, the next chapter we talked about the following week, this huge battle that Elijah was in. And so he was on Mount Carmel and on Mount Carmel he's fighting this battle. There are uh, 850 pagan uh, gods or prophets who are worshiping pagan gods. And so Elijah said, the, the God who answers by fire, he's the true God. And so they prayed, they prayed all day and no response. Elijah prays and our God responded and consumed um, uh, the entire altar uh, with fire. Then he, um, then he kills all the pagan prophets. Remember that part? That was some of y'all's favorite part. And then, um, and then Jezebel finds out. You know, and so we went from the comfort zone after the, the fire happened. He called them to, to make a commitment. And we really talked about what it means to make a commitment to God and follow and trust Him and, and get out of the neutral zone. Because some of us are kind of riding the fence on our faith. And Elijah said, Hey, if God is God, serve Him, give Him everything. But if Baal is God, then go after Baal and, and, and serve that, that God. But, but make a decision, quit riding the fence. And then from that, Jezebel finds out that's the king's wife. She wants to kill Elijah. She says, I'm going to kill you by this, this time tomorrow. So he runs. And when he runs into the middle of nowhere in the desert, uh, he lays under a tree, physically exhausted, spiritually just spent. And he goes into a season of depression. And so we talked about depression and how to overcome that and how that's kind of a normal part of the Christian life that we're all going to experience those emotions on on some level, and and so for him, he was he was isolated. He was all by himself, and that's part of what kept him in that cycle. But God restores him physically, gives him some rest, gives him some food, gives him some water, gets him up, um, restores him spiritually. Remember, He talked to him in a, in a soft, low whisper. So God restores him physically and spiritually, and then He gave him something to do. In other words, hey, Elijah look, I know you're down. I know you're out. You're in the down and out zone, but it's time to get up, man, because I've got more work for you to do. And so that was kind of the encouragement last week that if we're in that zone of just kind of down and out, like God has more for us to do. And so the more for, for Elijah to do is to anoint two kings. So he wanted Elijah to go and begin to invest into the new leaders that were going to lead the nation of Israel. So a huge, big responsibility. And then he also said, there's this guy, I want you to go and, and develop. I want you to grow him. I want you to disciple him. And, and uh, his name's Elisha, S-H-A, not kind of different. So hopefully I don't kind of mix that up in, in, in this whole deal this morning. But so he starts investing in this guy. He starts pouring his life into him, growing him, developing him. And that's really what I want us to think about today. Um, because what God was doing through Elijah was developing and creating a legacy, and a legacy is is huge if you're a believer this morning because we don't want to just live our life for ourselves we don't want to just live our lives and have a bunch of cool stuff for, for me and for, you know, just selfishly. We want to leave something behind. I mean, we, we want to, to be known for something. We want to know that we've made a difference for the kingdom of God. We want to be known and, and have this legacy that we poured our life out so that we made a difference. I mean, if you're a believer, that's, that's your heart. You want that to take place. And so what's your legacy going to be? We want to think about that. And, and we want to think through this even more specific because this kind of helps us. Um, Elijah finds out that his last week on earth is, is here in chapter two. So God tells him, God tells other leaders that, hey, Elijah, this is it for him. He, he's, he's getting ready to come with me. And so they all kind of knew this. And so my question for you, as we look at his last week, is if this was your last week, today's Sunday, so this coming week is your last week to live on earth, what would you do differently Who would you go talk to? Who have you wronged that you would ask for forgiveness? What relationships would you restore? What would you do? Where would you go? How would you end your last week on earth? We're gonna see Elijah does something that solidifies his legacy and, and see, a legacy isn't just born, you know, the last week of your life. It's something that is built over time. And so we don't start thinking about our legacy when we retire. That's a, that's, you know, hopefully, you know, we've already began to develop it by then because it's at that point, most of our life is gone. So we want to know that, hey, if I'm going to leave a legacy, then it starts today, no matter what age we are. And we're going to see what it really truly means to leave something behind, like a true legacy. But let's look at his life. Let's look at the first six verses here. Keep your Bible open. We're going to go through the first 12 verses of chapter two of second Kings. Here we go. Verse one. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgah. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel and the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said, do you know that today the Lord is going to take your master from you? And he said, shh, I know, (laughs) keep quiet. Verse four, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho and the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from you. And he answered, yes, I know, keep quiet. Verse six, then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. So three times here, Elijah is going to different cities and telling Elisha, man, stay, I've got to go do this. But he, you know, the connection and the relationship was so tight Elisha knew that his last days were coming. He he wanted to be with him. So if you're taking notes today, I want to talk about why it's important for us to leave a legacy and how we actually leave a legacy. And the first thing is what we all have to remember because legacy, sometimes when we say that, we think inheritance. What, what, what's in my will to give to my kids or, or what am I leaving behind? And it's, it's more than just what's on paper. It's more than material. See, a legacy, if you're taking notes, number one is investing your resources into people. Leaving a legacy is all about relationships. It's about the people that you've poured your life into. And so Elijah has spent years of his life pouring into Elisha and you see the tight knit relationship here. Hey, stay, I've got to go do this. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm with you. He goes to three different cities here. He goes to Gilga, Bethel and Jericho. And there's a, there's a historian, an ancient historian. He was a Jewish man named Josephus. And he's recognized as a historian, whether you're a believer or non-believer, secular world, religious world, he's a legit historian. And he has uh, written at this time that in those cities, there were schools for prophets And so it's kind of like a modern day seminary. And what that tells us is that Elijah is going to these different schools in these different cities, his last week on earth, his last few days on earth, and he's pouring his life back into the men that he has already taught, built up, encouraged, and and, and witnessed to and developed. And so what we see here is that he himself is revisiting the relationships that he has developed over time. Now, this is huge. This is huge because in our culture, we have sometimes, we don't have enough time for relationships. We don't, we, we're so busy, caught up in what we've got to do that we don't take time to invest our life into others. And, it, and it, it's so pervasive. Like sometimes we don't even have the time for our own children, like to invest into them, let alone people outside of our families, And so Elijah's example here, like if you and I truly want to leave a legacy today, then we have to understand that legacies are more than, you know, boats and cars and and inheritance money. All that stuff is grand and great, But the most important aspect of a legacy is the time and energy and resources that you have poured into people. So how broad do you want your legacy to be? How many people and how how many people's lives do you want to touch? You've got to realize that today, no matter where you're at, if you want to make an impact on other people, it's time to develop those relationships and begin to develop those people, pouring your life into them. Most people leave three uh, different things behind uh, when they leave this world. There's three different things that we usually leave. And the first thing that we leave are, are souvenirs. We leave all of our souvenirs behind and sometimes that's our mentality. You see, a souvenir uh, basically says that I, I've been there or you know, I, I went there, I experienced that. And so you know, a souvenir is a record of our existence everybody you know when you visit a you know a vacation or you go to a cool place you you know you want to buy a souvenir you know every city that I go to I go to Starbucks and I buy a coffee mug from that city I've got like 20 of them I don't know why it's just something I don't know but we buy souvenirs and so a souvenir just kind of commemorates that we were somewhere that we exist And, and and so Everyone that dies, you know, when that happens, we're going to leave all of our souvenirs behind. And see, this is the thing. A souvenir kind of represents all the fun, cool stuff that we did in life, doesn't it? All the fun, cool places, all the fun things that we did. You know, those are usually the times that we buy those souvenirs. But in the end, who really wants your souvenirs? actually brought one of mine. Uh, we went to Disney with our kids a few years back and me and my nephew at the time, uh, he was buying a t-shirt because that's the classic souvenir, right? I went, been there, bought the t-shirt, you know, did that kind of thing. And so I bought a t-shirt and so we, we bought matching t-shirts of, of, of Mickey Mouse. And so, yeah, this was, this was awesome for me. I had to dig, you know, in the drawers and in the boxes to, to find this, to, to show this. But yeah, this doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't mean anything to my kids, but it's kind of a souvenir. And I mean, it's been a while so it doesn't actually fit me anymore. But I mean I mean it's a souvenir. I'm gonna leave it behind and my kids aren't really gonna care. No matter what souvenirs you have that are so special are gonna end up in a garage sale one day. They're gonna end up at CARM, your kids are gonna sell it or throw it away. So let's not be too busy about all the fun, cool places that we have to go and get souvenirs for. The other thing that we do is we leave behind trophies. So if, if a souvenir is a record of our existence, a trophy is a record of our achievement. So a trophy would say, I did that. You know, so if you have a successful business, that's your trophy. Hey, I, I did this. This is what I built. Or if I have nice house or, or, or a big financial portfolio and I'm going to leave that. It's like, here's what I did. And this is my trophy. And sometimes we, we focus so much on our achievements that we forget about the relationships around us. I mean, achievements are important, especially, you know, to all of us, but especially to men, because we've got to, you know, feel like we have done something. And so we search for these trophies and we go after these trophies. And in the end, when you leave those behind, the business gets sold. Your son doesn't want to do what you did, you know, and it just goes away. So I mean, are they good? Are they bad souvenirs? trophies? No, they're good. As a matter of fact, I brought one of my trophies. This is near and dear to my heart. This is 1989 um, Little League Basketball Championship right here. Get some. Behold, behold the beauty now I know it's a little bit not all there and there's I don't know why I don't know what that it doesn't even I don't know but my kids have played with all of these toys because they're you know just in the attic or whatever but on the bottom here what makes this really cool is like my mom she put a little piece of tape and she wrote pacers went undefeated 15-0 I mean seriously No, I mean, yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares about that. I mean, in the end, all the trophies go in the box and they get thrown away too, don't they? Just like all of our achievements. Like, I mean, the achievements are great and, 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 you know, they, they do a lot of good, but we're talking legacy here because you're either gonna leave souvenirs, trophies, or the third thing that we leave is a legacy. I mean, that's what we really want to leave because a legacy is how we influenced People and people last forever. So like, if you're investing in people today, then, you know, as you invest into them, then they take that investment and they pour that into the next generation as well. See, legacies are what we pass on to the next generation. It's our skills. It's what, what our knowledge is, what we know. It's how we do things. I mean, it's, it's how we follow the Lord and what it means to follow him. And, and so we're teaching everything, not just one part of our life, but everything, I've, I've had mentors in my life and, and the greatest thing about mentors is that you know if you have more than one it's like this guy was really good at this and and this guy taught me how to do this and this guy taught me and invested this way but I've got some guys that you know were more like handymen or like how to you know work on the house stuff that invested in taught which is awesome because my dad didn't really teach me any of that except for how to change the light bulb and still sometimes that's confusing but but so we have different people that invest in us and and, and you and I Man, if we're believers, we want to invest in the life of others. This is huge. So our knowledge, our passion, our hope, our resources, all these things, we want to give to the next generation. So, all right, how do we really do that? Um, We're going to talk more, but I want to read the next verse here that really gets us pointed in the right direction. This question will change your life. Let's read it. So verse 9, actually verse 8. So then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water and the water was parted to the one side and to the other to the two of them could go over on dry ground. So pretty, pretty awesome little deal that just took place here, verse nine. And when they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. What shall I do for you? Now, folks, This question has the power to change all of our lives. You see, if you're taking notes, number two is ask, what can I do for you? If you want to leave a legacy, start making a habit of asking, what can I do for you? Because the more you ask that question, the more you understand and realize what people actually need. And then as you fulfill that, man, you begin to change and impact everyone's life around you so here's what we usually do we're really good at telling our spouse what we need from them matter of fact I I could have my degree in that because I'm good at it I don't know maybe you are too like I know what I need from you know from different people so it's easy for me to ask hey this is what I need from you some of you are leading your organizations or different teams at, at work and so you're really good at telling your you know your employees here's what I need from you parents we're really good at telling our kids hey this is what we need you to do do this do this do that this is what we need from you if we're not careful, we spend our life asking and telling everybody what we need from them and very little time asking what are the most powerful questions as it relates to legacy that we could ever ask anyone. And that is, how can I help you? How can I help you? I mean, in our culture, we're really kind of tied into fairness because here, here's what happens. Like we see, you know, people that have this and that, and we're like, okay, well, I want to do this for this person. I want to do that for that person, but that wouldn't be fair. So I'm just not going to do anything. My kids could have their PhD in fairness right now. It's like, that's not fair. If I had a nickel every time I heard that, I'd be a millionaire. And you would too, probably like, it's not fair that he and then that's not fair. And, you know, fairness is not the goal, by the way. Fairness is not what we're after in life. When you, if you really want to leave a legacy, don't even worry about fair. What you need to worry about is what is the right thing to do? I mean, what's the right thing to do in that situation? That's what you should do, not what is, is fair. Here's a good example. Like when you were in um, elementary school and you were going through the lunch line and the lunch lady was you know, dabbing all that glorious food on your tray, you know, and uh, you get to the end and the dessert you know, time was coming around and it was a cookie and you were like, man, I really need another cookie. And so you start strolling there and you start working up what you're gonna say. And as you get to the end, you're like, hey, excuse me, Miss Lunch Lady, can I have another cookie, an extra cookie? And you know what she said to you? Honey, if I give you one, I'll have to give everybody one. You know, my response is, no, you don't. No, you don't. Hey, you don't tell anybody. I ain't going to tell anybody. It'll be our secret. Don't tell anybody. But no, nope, if I give you one, I got to give it to everybody. That's the only fair thing. And I say, that's, that's, that's junk, man. Don't don't live your life that way. Do the right thing. Now, here, let, let's think about it in a, in a different way. So, so, so when we, we think about doing the right thing, you're, you're in your organization and you're, you're with one of your employees and, and um, you, you decide that, okay, you're going to take this upon yourself and you're going to act, actually start asking this question. And so you get one of your employees and say, hey, how can I help you do your job better? I did this one time and, and our staff here and, and my assistant, I, I sat down and I was like, hey, you know what, what can I do, you know, just to make your job easier here? And she said, wow, well, you know what I really need is I really need a new computer because mine is slow and mine is, you know, it just kind of bogs down. I'm afraid it's going to crash sometimes. And so, so that's really what I need. Now, computers are pretty, pretty expensive. Now, if I thought in my mind on fairness, I would say, well, if I get you one, then I got to get everybody one and, and then everybody's going to be jealous. So let, let's just see, let's just wait until it dies and then we'll, we'll talk about it. I didn't do that. I went ahead and I, I, and I got her one because I wanted to do for one what I wish I could do for all. And so, now if you know our staff, you know, Greg and James, they are techie guys. I mean, they love technology and they love gadgets. And so they were like, that next day when that shiny new Mac book came in and it opened up and it, whoo, you know, in all its glory, and they were like little prairie dogs, like, what is that? Did she get a new computer? Who got her a new computer? how did she do that you know and so there was there was chatter it's like hey yeah she needed one we had to get one and and so here, here's the deal I heard that principle a long long time ago that really began to transform my life from another pastor that I want to share with you guys today on fairness and it is this do for one what you wish you could do for all I can't get everybody a computer but if somebody needs one I can I can do it for them Teachers, you can't do it for all of your students in your classroom, but one of the students needs something. Can you do it for them? Those of you who are leading your organizations and businesses, there are many needs and, and maybe you can't get everybody something new and you can't do everything that everybody needs, but can you do it for one person? You see, if all you're doing is walking through life and saying, well, it wouldn't be fair if I did, if I did this for him, then I wouldn't do it for anybody. And you live your life not doing anything for anybody. See, fairness ended in the garden. Right. Sin entered the world. There is no more fair, you know. So we want to do for one what we wish we could do for all and start asking this question. What can I do for you? This is huge. This will transform your life. I remember when I did this for the first time in my marriage, uh, we were having the typical early, you know, marriage problems, being selfish and bickering about stupid things and, and just kind of, you know, going back and forth. And I read this concept and I thought, you know, what, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And so we sat down and I said, Micah, in a non-conflict time, by the way, Our House series people. And so I said, you know what, babe, is there, what, what can I do for you? What, what can I do better for you? And her eyes Began to fill up with tears and she said, you know, if you would just help me more around the house, it would be awesome. And so that day I hired a maid and it's been great ever since. (laughs) Just kidding. No, so... It transformed our life because you know it began to really speak to me okay well maybe I can help out a little bit more and I was kind of being selfish and kind of looking around and doing deals you know expecting her to do things all and and so it transformed us but what a powerful question at, at home what a powerful question you know at work And if you have grown kids, this question will transform your relationship with your kids. As a a grown adult who has parents who are, you know, still giving and and doing things for us that that they try to bless us. Um, But one of the greatest things they do is they ask us what we need. That's one of the greatest things you could do for your kids because everybody's received a gift card to a restaurant that you don't like. You know, it's like, oh, thank you. I'm never going to eat there. I hate that place. You know, it's like, ah or you open up a gift and it's like, Oh, I'm never going to wear that. I guess that's going to be a garage towel, you know? So we all, we all have those things and, and, and all that, you know, stuff tends to happen. But what would it look like if you just asked your kids, Hey, what, what do you need? They might say, we need a babysitter. You know, we need th- We need, and then you be able, could be able to meet specific needs and begin to transform lives all around you. That question has the potential to transform your life. Now, When we think about the life of Jesus, we see the ultimate in legacy building and leaving. Okay. Hopefully we can all agree upon Jesus is, is the master legacy, you know, builder. And, and so we look at his life, we can gather some practical things. Like if you're, if you're kind of a practical person, here's the, here's the really, really practical part of today's message. Jesus did four things when he invested his life into the disciples. Remember he had a large like mass audience that he would teach to, you know, hundreds of people would come and he would teach, but he spent the majority of his time with 12 guys so I have a large ministry here but I have 12 disciples that I'm really pouring into and then even out of those 12 disciples there were three guys that he specifically poured into so if you're looking at your life and what you do at work or what you're doing in your small group, it's like, okay, I've got a lot of friends, but here's my, here's my group, you know? These are my real friends or these are, this is my small group or these are the people at school or at work that I, that I really am pouring into. But even in that group, there are two or three people that you could even more specifically be connected to and you probably already are. And so when we look at his life, he was pouring into them and here's what he did. First thing he did is he instructed them So he taught them how to do things. You know, here's what it means to follow God. Here's what it means to have faith in God. And so, his his idea was instruction. I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you. So if you want to leave a legacy, you've got to start teaching people around you how to do what you do. Okay, don't keep it a secret. So how do you follow the Lord? How, 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 how did you have that marriage? And how does that work? And how, how do you do well, you know, when you do this and how you do that? And it's not just your spiritual side, but it's all the practical things. You know how to change the oil in your car, teach somebody, teach your kids. I know how to, you know, change a tire, all these different things. We want to instruct and teach somebody. And that's passing on what I know to the next generation. But not only do we instruct them, but then we demonstrate it. And this is so simple. You teachers, you know how to teach in your classroom, right? This is the same thing if you want to build a legacy. You instruct. Here's how you follow God. Here's how you invest in people. And then I demonstrate it. This is what it looks like. Here, watch me do it. And so as they watch me do it and see me do it, then I'm demonstrating to them. I'm modeling to them um, what it means and, and, and how to do it. And then uh, once uh, I, you, you, know, you teach it, then you model it, then you say, all right, now you go and experience it. Now you go and try it. Now you lead. Now you teach. Now you experience it. And now you change the tire. And Now you do it and I'll watch. And then you, you, you give them that, that experience and let them begin to do it. And then after they've done it, then you come back and you assess them or you coach them. You say, hey, you did this and you did it well, um, but you could have done it a little bit better if you tried this or you, if you've done that. And, and that's how you build and begin to leave a legacy in, in people. Now, if you did this at work, people would love you. People would love you because at work, sometimes we get so selfish and I have to do my job so that everybody sees how good I am and I can't share my secrets. And if I share my secrets, then everybody else will be good too. And I don't want them to be good. I just want to be good. But if you begin to share and invest, man, everybody in your organization would love you. They would see the value in you because any good leader knows That if I have somebody in the organization that knows how to develop people, they will always have a job here. You know, that's how I look at our staff. If you know how to develop people, you'll always have a job. I mean, it it might be developing, you know, kids. It might be developing high school or whatever it is. If you can do that, man, you will always have a job here because that is the most important thing when we look at the gospel and the kingdom of God, developing leaders and developing disciples. And Jesus was the ultimate developer of people. And that is what it means to leave a legacy, like in people, in the next generation. That's where we want to be. Let's, let's read this last, these last few verses here, beginning in verse 11, because we, we want to ask the question, we want to, first of all, leave the legacy in people, invest in people. we we'll ask that question, what can I do to help you? And then finally, we want to stay faithful to the end. I mean, really, to leave a legacy, it, it requires a commitment that stays faithful to the end. And, and Elijah stays faithful all the way to the end. Verse 11, he says, And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah, Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. So they're walking along. I I can't even visualize this, but like uh, chariots of fire, horses coming down, sweeping Elijah. He doesn't have to face death. You remember a few chapters ago in First Kings, he was asking God to kill him. Now he doesn't even experience death. God saves him and brings him right up into heaven. And, And why? Because of his faithfulness. It's faithfulness. I mean, all throughout his career, he, God tells him to go into the countryside where you know he's gonna have to completely 100% trust God to provide every need. And he goes, he's faithful, he goes. He stays there for three years being fed by ravens and, 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 and going through this process. And he goes and then God says, all right, now go talk to the king. And this is what I want you to tell the king. And fearing for his life, he stands before the king and, and, and faithfully does what God asks him to do to do and then God says all right go to Mount Carmel and now I'm gonna answer you by fire and and he follows him there and then he then in the midst of his depression and he's down and out and he wants to die God says look 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 I know it's been tough and you've been through a lot but you got to get up there's more for you to do you got to dust yourself off and you got to get up and you got to fight because there's more for you to do and so what's he do he gets up he stays faithful and he serves God And he follows and walks with God. See, this is the model that you and I have got to embrace. Like if we want to be faithful followers of Christ, if we want to serve him and follow him, then it's to the end. And so no matter what you're going through, like you walk in today, maybe still struggling with with depression or, or issues and problems, whatever they may be. God takes those issues and problems and uses those to help us invest into other people. And so nothing is wasted, no matter what sin, no matter what pain you and I have gone through, nothing is wasted in our life because God takes that pain and through the gospel and through his spirit, you know, he allows us to work through that pain, receiving his forgiveness, receiving that, that blessing and grace to be able to extend that grace to others and use that. And it's like, you know what, I did that, bro, and it was bad and it was a mistake. I, I want to encourage you not to make that decision and not go there and you should do this. And maybe God's leading you here and, and blessing other people with that information and helping them walk that path. That, that is how we leave a legacy. Elijah did it perfectly, flawlessly. And, and along the way, there were so many challenges and, and so many hiccups, but God used every situation that he faced. Stay faithful. And Mexico City in 1968, uh, the Olympics were held there. And there was a man by the name of John Stephen Akwari. And he was a marathon runner from Tanzania. And uh, he comes to the Olympics, I'm sure, excited. Uh, The race begins. He's with the pack, but somewhere along the way, he began to fall further and further behind. Um, He got injured began to become dehydrated, um, started bleeding actually. So he had to put on a bandage, but, but the guy kept running. He didn't give up, he didn't quit. And so all over you know, the field here, guys are finishing. And so he's over an hour behind those in front of him. And so he doesn't give up, he doesn't quit, he keeps running. And by that time, most of the people in the, in the stadium had left. I mean, it was, it was dark at this point, you know, so they got to turn on the lights for him and everybody, you know, is, is, is leaving. Most of the people working there are leaving, but he keeps running. He keeps running. He keeps going. He doesn't quit. Until finally he runs across the finish line and uh, finishes the race, all tattered, beaten, and bandaged up and uh, finishing the race. Now, a reporter asked him later and they said, you know, Why didn't you just quit? And he thought for a second and he said, my country did not send me here to start the race. My country sent me here to finish it. What a powerful example. Like God did not save you just to start a race. God saved you to finish this race. So that when Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I mean, that's what we want. That last moment of our life to be able to say, I have fought the fight, the good fight. I have finished the race. I'm I'm, I'm serving and following God and investing my life into others and I've left a legacy. I mean, that's where we want to be. So the question is, how are you finishing your race? How's your race going today? Is it me focused and me centered? Or is God changing something in you? Taking the look from, from the inward look and the internal focus and, and is God giving you a vision and, and a view uh, of an externally focused life? ready to invest and serve into others. Um, I hope it is, and I pray that it is, and I know that God is is working in many, many of your lives. And as our church continues to follow the example of of Jesus, the example of Elijah, we wanna be a church and a congregation and a group that would finish our race and that would not only finish, but run this race well.